Hey guys, welcome to Because I Said So, the podcast where we discuss age and how it affects how we perceive ourselves, how we perceive others, and the conversations that we have because of it. Thank you for listening, and please leave a review to support the podcast. Thank you. We have a very, very special guest today. Her name is Sua. Sua, do you want to introduce yourself? Yes. Um, hi, everyone. My name is Sua Chung. I'm 17, and I'm a student at Fog. Yeah, and today we're here to kind of talk about um, just shedding light on the Asian community, but also kind of what's been happening recently. So um, just to kind of like intro, can you talk a little bit about your specific heritage and your family's ancestry? Um, yeah, so as far as uh, I'm concerned, uh, I'm Korean. I don't know if I'm 100%. Um, I haven't really taken a DNA test yet to see if I'm mm-hmm. anything else. But uh, yeah, I'm 100% Korean. I uh, I was born in Seoul, and then I moved to Nashville when I was two. And then I've just been here ever since. Yeah, and I know that, I mean, especially being kind of like a first-generation American, and there's like a lot of different things about cultural blending and things like that. And I kind of want to talk about your experiences. First of all, kind of just as your family came and kind of like the assimilation and stuff like that, but also the racism that you guys have experienced and just some of that. Um, in terms of blending in, I would say in the beginning, it was kind of difficult. I feel like in the beginning, it's always difficult. But I guess um, there was like a language barrier and then cultural differences. Like, um, for example, when I was little, when I went over to my friends' houses, like they would just wear their shoes around the house. And that was a big shock to me because everyone, like every single Asian family household, like you always take your shoes off and like we have house. And then I remember having to help my parents with like documents, something that like a normal child wouldn't really do. And like, I remember from a young age having to learn how to fill out my own stuff and then be responsible and independent and take care of myself. Um, but I was, as I got older, I just became more accustomed to um, blending like a good mix of both, I guess, mm-hmm. finding a good balance as a Korean American. Um, I guess it's all about being able to balance those different aspects while still uh, maintaining to your true heritage, I feel like. So I would, um, I guess, like outside, I would speak English with my friends. But when I come home, I would speak Korean with my parents. And I feel like that was a really good way for me to still be in tune with my, my mother's tongue, I guess, and like my cultural identity. So yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's really, really beautiful. And it's also really interesting to hear you talk about kind of those responsibilities that fell on you, um, especially because of things like a language barrier, just adjustment. I think that that's totally huge. And I was also kind of wondering about when you kind of first experienced some of that racism, especially being in the South. Um, I feel like there's a lot of just that going on so can you talk a little bit about that and I think especially being so young and kind of seeing that happen to your parents as well can be really really shocking um so yeah in terms of racism I guess um when I was little I was um 
it was a long day of middle school and I was just trying to go home. I was on the bus and I remember this kid, I don't even know him, like a complete stranger. And he threw a wad of paper at me. It was like a crumpled up piece of paper. And I remember it hitting my shoulder and being in complete shock because he was just saying the most rudest and most racist things ever. Like my eye shape, uh, like ching chong, ling long, whatever. And like dog comments. And I remember just, honestly just being frozen like I can't believe this is happening to me because mm -hmm. I like read about race experiences I've heard of race experience ex experiences but never in my life did I ever think it would happen to me which I knew it was inevitable but I didn't really expect in that moment I don't think anyone ever expects it but I remember just being really hurt and just kind of being shocked and then another time I guess um, some dude just called me a chink and like I've actually didn't even know that word existed until he said it. But when he said I immediately knew right away, it was a slur for Asians. And I was just like, oh, wow. Yeah. But yeah, those are my experiences. And um, I feel like um, a lot of people, I've heard a lot of other instances where they've had it like a lot worse, but yeah, I'm kind of grateful that nothing insanely bad has ever happened to me. Like, I know a lot of people, um, like, they get really hurt by it. And honestly, as they should, like, I would be hurt by it too. But for some reason, it doesn't really, like, yeah, I was shocked by it. And I didn't feel comfortable. Obviously, it's racism. But, like, I've never really let it affect me. Like, I've always just kind of, like, oh, you know, sadly, kind of just, it is what it is, you know, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. And I shouldn't feel that way, but I've never really let it get to me. But yeah, those are yeah. my experiences. Well, it's really sad, firstly, to hear you have to say that you're grateful that nothing worse has happened to you. Because I think that just hearing you talk about those experiences, that is like heinous and disgusting in and of itself. And so I think just having to, you know, have that weird like gratefulness for not having gone through worse is so so sad and I think it's interesting um how normalized racism towards Asians is because I feel like there's a lot of other minorities that we talk about and we talk so much about the racism um towards people of color um or towards like the Latinx community as we should because that's very important but I think that a lot of times the Asian community gets overlooked when talking about racism but recently I think that there has been more awareness because of these violent, violent hate crimes. Um, and so I kind of want to dive into a little bit about that. And also, I mean, I feel like a lot of people know about that, but I think that people maybe don't fully realize the scope to which that really genuinely affects the Asian community and the way that they live their lives and just fear. In terms of normalization, uh, it's at this point, like I'm just really like tired. It's so normalized to the point where even I wasn't even aware of it until my friend pointed it out. And I was like, oh like gosh you're right like that's the point where I didn't even think about it and um with the rising hate crimes honestly like it's honestly just really sad I really don't understand why someone would do that to anyone ever just because of their race like I this is the 21st century I don't get why that's still an issue and honestly like I there's moments when I'm like, oh, like I shouldn't be scared. But honestly, there's times when I am, especially like, how am I supposed to travel? Like, I'm so scared of getting hate crime, honestly. Like I, um, I've always wanted to go to New York actually, but New York's honestly a, a place where a lot of hate crimes have been occurring mm -hmm. lately. And I'm just like, 
not New York. Like it's one of my like fave cities, even though I haven't really been, but I've always wanted to go. So that's really sad. And like, I've always pictured New York as this like very liberal open place. So the fact that it's a lot of those hate crimes are happening there just breaks my heart. And it just further shows and demonstrates that no matter where you are, racism is everywhere. And it's just a very sad reminder of that. And um, my mom is really overprotective and she's so, um, she stresses about our safety a lot, especially when we go out nowadays. And that just, I guess, adds more anxiety to the whole issue. And we even have a family friend that was like um, calling me about how she was worried because there were some teenagers around her neighborhood holding like, um, with like bats or something, like mm -hmm. a baseball bat. And like, she was scared she was gonna get abused because it's so sad really. Like it, it doesn't matter what your gender, your age is like people, all different kinds of Asians are getting hate crimes and it's really sad. And I really wish I could do something about it. I realize that I can and I hate feeling like powerless, but I try to spread as much awareness as I can. I think that really helps. Um, but every day is just really sad because I keep waking up and it's someone new. Um, thankfully they did pass a bill recently on anti-Asian hate crimes. So that's a start. Um, I will say that it's really sad that I haven't really seen any bills being passed for Black mm. Lives Matter and it's been going on way longer. Um, so that really just makes me sad. I really wish there was some action towards BLM, but um, I'm hoping that we'll move forward in that movement too and we'll come together again and come up with, with an issue to resolve BLM maybe, like some another bill for crimes mm. against African-Americans or just Black people in the US in general. Um, and like, I feel like we should have um, more, um, what's the word? Like uh, legislation. Yeah, yeah. In terms of BLM and the protection of African-American people in the US and their safety. So I hope, you know, a bill we passed for that. Um, but yeah, I'm so far, I'm really happy with the uh, bill passed for anti-Asian hate crimes. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that it's like both of these cases kind of go to show just how much I think we have that gap in um, our like progressivism in our country. Cause I think that America prides itself on being so democratic and it prides itself on being this melting pot, but it's not safe basically, unless you're like a white person in America. So it's kind of like, yes, you can call it a melting pot, but really not. It's not very safe for like anybody who's a minority. And so I think that, and I definitely am very glad about the bill that's being passed. And I know you mentioned New York and I think that that's really like a key thing there. Cause one, I mean, that's where like a lot of immigration in America's history has happened. And so it's so sad to see stuff like that happening there, but also cause that's like a center of, I think a lot of, um, a lot of culture, a lot of beautiful culture, but also a lot of like kind of cultural appropriation. If you look at like all of these different like parts of the city. And I think that there's like a lot of different things that go on there and a lot of say like restaurants or things like that, that maybe aren't owned by families that um, are actually in a certain culture, but like that kind of a lot of commercialization goes on. And so that kind of brings us into like a thing that I really wanted to talk about, which is the kind of um, cultural appropriation that goes on and also kind of like the fetish fetishization of Asian culture as well. Um, yeah, so uh, 
when it comes to cultural appropriation, um, I've seen a lot of um, traditional Chinese clothing on like shops. Uh, it's called a chipao, I believe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that properly, but forgive me. But uh, I see a lot of like the top versions of the dress, like on markets, on like Paxson, like Nasty Gal, Merge Girl, etc. I'm just over here thinking, what? That's like Chinese yeah. culture. It's not <laughs> fashionable um top you can just market and profit from uh and like i see the gua sha trend on tiktok where a bunch of people were people literally just buy the massager the facial massage and then off of amazon not even caring about learning the deep history behind it and the culture and the medical practices behind it and they'll just use it uh, I think that's like really girl like you should you know look into the re- like research it look into it like don't I feel like it's kind of disrespectful in my opinion that's literally someone's culture even with the whole evil eye and the the jade and the henna like girl please do your research mm-hmm. um when it comes to, if you're going to be involved in those trends I would say do your research learn history and culture behind it don't don't dissipate because it's a trend and you want to like be cool like it's not cool to appropriate someone's culture um it's never cool um it's always cool to educate yourself though you know um please um do that before you try to get involved with someone's culture and also I think it's important to um not get offended or so defensive when someone calls you out because I mean you are appropriating and it's okay to admit that um it's not okay to not admit that and to not educate yourself though and um in terms of restaurants i would say always support and go to locally owned businesses um like go to if you want some chinese food um it'd be nice if you went to a restaurant owned by a chinese family that would be nice don't just go to like panda express or something Mm -hmm. um it is owned by like a chinese family but it's um corporate like i don't know like you know what i mean Mm-hmm. Or I guess you could still kind of go because technically the founder is Chinese. Businesses, um, go to those, support them. Um, literally as someone with like a family business, like just support the small businesses. Um, I'm pretty sure there's like a lot of resources you can find. In fact, there's a link tree link in my bio and you can find a lot of like anti-Asian hate crime cards and like Asian resources cards online, thankfully, um, due to social media. And um, when it comes to clothing, I would really just not, I would just stay away from that aspect. Like, for example, I'm Korean, but you won't really see me wearing what like traditional like African clothing or like traditional like Cuban clothing. Like you won't see me wearing stuff like that because that's mm. not my culture, and I have that's not my business. Like why would I wear that? I have no business of wearing that. So in general, I just would say don't really wear it unless you actually are that. Like don't don't really just don't wear it. Yeah. Um, like you're visiting that country and it's like a requirement or a cultural thing and everyone wears it and um everyone's like oh yeah you should wear it then yeah that's fine um the people are telling you it's okay but if you just want to go out normal day just wear you know like in korea it's called a hanbok just a hanbok you know just for fun like mm, girl maybe not maybe <laughs> not maybe yeah wanna step back wear step little- back yeah, maybe a cute little sundress, you know, but but not the humble, just, just not that, you know, so I guess it all just comes down to being respectful and 
knowing what's right and what's wrong and knowing your boundaries and what line to not cross, I would say. Yeah, I think that's huge because I know that, I mean, especially I think our generation and like you mentioned with social media, I think has been pretty good about noticing appreciation versus appropriation. I know that you said one like huge thing there is like educating yourself as well. And um, I think that that is so important. I think like you just did drawing some of those lines between like, if you learn about some of these things, then yes, you can take part in that aspect of culture, but there's certain things that are kind of just stay away from them because there's really no way to fully do them respectfully or take part in these activities respectfully. And I think that that is really, really important and really beneficial um, just moving forward with everything. I mean, it applies to this and it applies to so many different cultures and just the way that we've kind of commercialized them. Um, And so I think that that's really, really great. And kind of jumping into the next thing, um, I wanna talk about kind of life within the Asian community. And I know that there's a lot of different things um, that you've talked to me about that specifically have gone on in the Asian community. And so kind of jumping in first, talking about colorism and a little bit of racism and competition within the Asian community itself. Uh, Yes, so unfortunately, I feel like um, colorism is everywhere, similar to racism. It's unfortunately everywhere. We may not be aware of it, but it's there. For example, I wasn't even aware of the colorism in my community up until a few months ago. My friend pointed out, uh, it all started when she was telling me about how her guy friend, um, he's Southeast Asian, and he was basically telling her that a lot of Asian girls prefer um, East Asian guys because they tend to have a lighter complexion. And he was talking about how no one really wants the Southeastern Asian guys because they have darker skin. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, well, I've never really thought of it like that because I don't discriminate based on your skin color, but mm-hmm. I can see how that would be a very common thing in our culture. Uh, I do notice that a lot of people um, within the Asian community like want to be with an Eastern Asian because they do have a lighter complexion. And even Eastern Asians like go through a lot of procedures to get even lighter skin, like skin bleaching, pills, treatments, wow. light lotions. Um, those are really common. You'll see those a lot in the market, unfortunately. And even when you go to like Korea, for example, and you try to buy like foundation, the shade range is so limited. And it's like three colors of literally just white foundation. And there's like no range. And there's not just like pale Asians in Korea, there's obviously foreigners too, and people with a darker darker complexion. So it's really sad seeing that colorism and how a lot of East Asians also look down on, um, I guess, Southeastern Asians, even South Asians for having a darker complexion. Uh, It's really sad. And um, in terms of racism, there's a lot of anti-Blackness in the Asian community. I don't even know where this is coming from, but it's really sad. I don't know why, but actually I have a friend that um, came from Korea and she, um, I was trying to educate her on the BLM movement and the stuff that she was saying on her assumptions on black people was just so stereotypical and racist. And I was like, girl, that you need to unpack all that racism that you learned from Korea and that you learned from your parents because or that you learned in Korea and from parents because that is just not true at all. It's just mm-hmm. purely racism. That's what it is. It really just shocked me um, how someone our age could be so, um, I guess, sheltered and uneducated on. I feel like brainwashed, honestly. No, yeah, I agree. And 
in terms of competition, like you mentioned, um, apparently uh, in Korea, there's a lot of competition between students um, to be the best and to get into the best schools. It's not like the US where um, in the US, you don't need to go to Harvard to succeed. You can honestly go to another school. It doesn't matter what where you go to. But in Korea, there's only three universities that um, are amazing. And if you don't get into those three universities, it's kind of hard to find a job. I mean, there's mm -hmm. other universities that are you could still go to that are, that are OK, but it's still kind of difficult to be successful. And so there's a lot of competition between kids because it's just one in one country, it's only three universities and there's only so many people that could get in. And it's it's also really hard to get in. So sadly, that's, that's another reason why the suicide rate in Korea is really high and the competition and the, the stress, the pressure, it's just out of this world. It's just really high. And she would even view her friends as competition from what wow. I was told. And it's just really sad to have to compete with your friends and think that everything's a competition and I learned that at school um they're just learning at this point to pass a test it's not even about learning it's just to pass a test that's the toxic culture with education in Korea um I don't know about other Asian countries but I that's very similar unfortunately um but yeah I think I covered everything I'm not really sure yeah 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 I think that's huge I can't because it's, I feel a lot of pressure as a student in America, especially a high school junior. And I can't imagine the amplification of what like we're feeling right now, stress getting into colleges, because that is just so much more than I can even comprehend. And I feel like that's just, it's dehumanizing. And I feel, I can't, it's just, I can't even imagine going through that as a young person. And aside from like the school expectations, I know that well, just from seeing culture, even stuff like K-pop and things like that, that there's a lot of um, pressure on body image and kind of beauty standards. And I know that we've mentioned like Eurocentric beauty standards. And can you talk a little bit about that and how that is just so harmful? Yes. Um, well, in pressure, not just career, I think it's a very common thing among the age community. Uh, everyone's expected to be really skinny. You'll always have an age Asian auntie or uncle tell you, oh, like you lost weight or like you gained weight. It's a very common comment that your relatives will make, especially at family gatherings or if you haven't seen them in a while. And sadly, it's a very common part of our culture and community. And I know it's led a lot of people to develop eating disorders or body dysmorphia. And it's really sad because um, I don't think eating disorders and body dysmorphia is talked about enough in the Asian community. I don't mm -hmm. even think a lot of elders believe it exists and um, which is really sad because it's a real thing. And so you will, a lot of times uh, you'll see a lot of Asians going through eating disorders or body dysmorphia by themselves with no help because mental health isn't really um, something that's talked about in the Asian community. So they'll be going through it alone or some people are still um, recovering and working on it. And some people are unaware. Um, Thankfully, I don't know anyone that's um, gone through that, but um, my heart just goes out to the Asians out there that are going through those experiences. And I really hope they do um, receive the help that they need and get better. It just makes my heart just so sad. Like you shouldn't have to worry about that. Um, like every girl is expected to be like really like bone skinny, not even mm. like, it's just really like, it's so unhealthy and toxic. Um, I feel like we need more accepting of different body types and different body shapes. Um, 
And in terms of beauty standards, uh, double eyelid surgery is very common. Um, Just so sad. Yeah, I feel like we should be more appreciative of our features, but unfortunately, a lot of young teenage girls will get double eyelid surgery as like a gift, and um, it's a it's become a very common aspect of our culture, and you will see a lot of Korean girls um, getting double eyelid surgery as like a gift, um, Mm -hmm. or like they'll get it for college, and also um, Korea is known for having one of the highest plastic surgery rates in the world. Um, In Korea, I guess. I'm not saying looks matter, but people really do care about their appearances. And um, a lot of people will do will get surgery, which no hate to them. If you want to get surgery, get surgery, girl. But it's just sad how that's become a very, instead of learning to love yourself and embrace yourself, you're automatically um, taught to just get surgery if you don't like something about yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like if you want to get surgery, if you feel like it would make you feel better about yourself, make you more confident and love yourself more, by all means, yes, girl, go get that surgery. But if you're just getting, because everyone's telling you to, and because it's like a pressure thing, I think um, we shouldn't really do that. You should let the girl decide and she shouldn't be pressured or forced into thinking she needs it, especially when it's become such a common thing to happen um I feel like we should just be more um embracing and appreciative of our natural features and the history be- behind double eyelid surgery actually is racist um obviously people mm. aren't getting it now to um uh for the racist meaning behind it but the roots are it is racism the roots um behind it and uh, I feel like even the effects of it today of wanting to have bigger eyes is an effect of racism as well. Yeah. That stereotype that Asians have small eyes, hence adhering to the Eurocentric beauty standards. Um, it originated from uh, during the Korean War, this um, US war doctor surgeon, I don't even know, this just surgeon started performing double eye surgery on Korean women that were planning on marrying American um soldiers to immigrate to the U.S. and it was thought that if their eyes were bigger it would um, make them look less Asian, less intimidating and make them uh, more appealing and basically they were mocking our features, uh, mocking our eye shape and implying that our features were ugly and inferior to I guess Eurocentric beauty features and that's history behind it. It makes me really sad that that procedure has become such a common thing um but yeah yeah I I think it's it's so sad that it's like the expectation now too it's like and like you said I think that it's so beautiful to be able to you know do something that and like makes you love yourself more and by all means if that's what you really want to do do it but I think that there is something that's so beautiful about that process of like learning to love yourself I think that it's also just so sad that that is so skewed by those Eurocentric beauty standards. Like on top of just the normal things that I think young women and young men go through while their bodies are changing and they're just growing up and just that everybody kind of deals with about having, you know, these insecurities, having standards that just inherently do not align with your natural features like your, your assumption ship just from the beginning, because there's just no way you can fit something that is just biologically not going to work with you. And I know we talked a lot about kind of like these 
applying to women. And I think that kind of goes perfectly into the sexism that goes on in Asia and a lot of the spousal abuse and just that whole issue. Uh, yes. So for some reason, sexism is very um, prevalent in Asia. I have no idea. But in Korea, there's this issue where there's secret webcam cameras hidden everywhere. And a lot of women even will be, if they post nudes or like, um, I guess, revealing photos, um, they'll be blackmailed about the photos being sent over and there'll be secret chat rooms on those photos being exposed. And they will even get fired and lose their jobs. And that's also maybe a common thing in the US, but not as big as in Korea. Like you don't really see that many women being fired mm -hmm. for having nudes leaked. Um, you shouldn't be fired for having your nudes leaked. Um, it shouldn't be leaked period but honestly like yeah. really big effort to those guys that do that but um a lot of these women are honestly just treated so horribly and they're slut shamed and looked down on so badly and um it creates very taboo to be exposed in that way and you will see a lot of um sexism in families like a lot of um for example my grandmother was pressured to have a son so she kept having kids until she had a son and that's a very wow. common thing you'll see yeah in koreans a lot of women want a son um so they'll keep trying it's not as common today but when my uh grandma was younger it was very common i even asked her about it and i was like yo grandma did they really pressure you about it and she was like yeah they kept telling me to have a son have a son um took her six tries but she did it um but respect to her I could never six times but yeah it's really it's just really sad a lot of Korean females just want a son I don't know why it's seen as a very big thing um thankfully my mom wasn't one of those types of people she was glad to have two daughters but yeah it's a really sad thing and uh what was I gonna mention I keep forgetting was it the um, spousal abuse yes for some reason there's a high percentage of spousal abuse in korea i don't know why but a lot of men will abuse their wives um i don't know why that's a thing but i feel like because it's so common a lot of children especially young boys will grow up seeing that happen to their mothers mm -hmm. and then that trauma yeah. from it will um come back later in their lives and then they'll end up beating their own wives as well um it's just a cycle that i wish we could fix but um unfortunately it's still going on and uh, a lot of um sexism in korea a lot of women um don't really have don't get the chance to speak up for themselves um in Asian culture, I think a lot of women are expected to be kind of um, obedient, kind of quiet, not too loud, I guess. Mm -hmm. um, so when a woman speaks up, she's seen as very like bold, like loud, and a lot of adults might not like that. And um, I feel like that's maybe a reason why a lot of Asian women haven't been able to speak up about um, women's rights and um, harassment and assault that has been occurring. Um, in the U.S., um, I know there's some instances when, uh, actually a lot of instances when men won't face the time that they, they won't get justice for the time that um, they, they won't get 
guilty for all the acts that they've committed regarding assault or harassment, but in Korea, they get little to none. A lot of them will be free. Um, and there's just a lot of crazy stuff going on in Korea for some reason. I don't know why a lot of men will be misogynistic, just racist and, and homophobic. Homophobia is also a really common thing in a lot of Asian countries and culture. It's just really sad. I, again, don't understand why, but it's really sad to know that Korea is so progressive technologically, but in terms of socially, it's not very um, advanced. Um, I wish it was though, but I think slowly we're getting there. It will take time for sure, but um, I'm just hoping it'll happen faster, but I'm not gonna give up. And um, it's just really sad. I really can't just express. I wish I could change things. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think it's kind of like that cycle of racism too. Um, and then it just continues on from adult to child. And I think that there's like a lot of trauma that probably goes on also with seeing that abuse all the time. And I mean, especially with women, I think that if you don't have a voice like in the society, then you have no way to speak up when these things are happening to you and it just doesn't carry any weight. And kind of along that same um, issue and tying it into another thing that we're going to talk about soon is the burning sun scandal. And so I was wondering if you could mention that a little bit. Um, and because I know that also was hard hitting because it hit a lot of celebrities in K-pop as well. Uh, yeah, so um, there's this, he was one of the main people involved, but there's this K-pop idol named Simbi. He was a member of uh, Big Bang and there was this K-pop idol named Seungri and he was involved in it. And basically it was like a whole oh my gosh, it was like a whole club and like secret chat rooms with like government officials even or really higher mm. up powerful, politically powerful people and like rich people, celebrities and idols involved in basically um, uh, assault, rape of women. And um, it was just this big thing that blew up in Korea a few years ago. And it was just crazy. And it just shows how much misogyny there is in Korea and I don't even think a lot of them got justice and a lot of them weren't exposed um sadly but yeah that was like an issue that happened unfortunately and my heart goes out to those women because they were threatened like I said earlier um I'm pretty sure a lot of them were um I think drugged too and then uh like a lot of horrible acts were done to them without their um, consent. And I'm pretty sure it was like videotaped and they were all sent to those chat rooms that all those powerful people were involved in and they were blackmailed with those. And it's sad because they shouldn't feel, it should be the other way around. Like they shouldn't be blackmailing them when they're the victims, you know? And also the Korean justice system is very corrupt. You'll see a lot of, um, powerful people pay out their way of facing jail time and paying their way out of being headlined in news. And uh, I wish there was something I could do, but I mean, I guess I'm talking about it, spreading awareness now. I'm starting small baby steps, but yeah. Yeah, no, I think that that's crazy. Cause it's also like, I, well, it ties in firstly, like you said, with the blackmailing to kind of like that taboo of like, if a woman was seen like that, like there's so much that ties into that. But I think it's also interesting because that kind of reminds me, 
I mean, obviously not in the same way, but in kind of a similar way with the power dynamics of like the Me Too movement that's kind of gone on in America. But like, the thing is, the, that took so much courage for those women to come up and stand up. And that's with a relatively progressive culture and like feminism movement in America. So I can't even imagine what that must have been like, oh, like there. And that's just, I that is crazy. And I, I was wondering, um, kind of with you, how being a young woman, I mean, obviously, I know that you spent kind of time growing up here, but how you as a young woman have felt like maybe pressure to either fit any of these like ideals, um, or also just kind of like dealing with kind of like balancing both cultures as well. Um, yes. So oh, I have to mention something that it came up when you were talking, but it literally oh. it took my tongue. I'm going to say something. Uh, oh, it was okay. This is like kind of off topic, but relating to the previous question. Um, in the US, there was like a whole big B2 movement, but in Korea, there wasn't a big B2 mo- movement when this happened, which <laughs> shows how a lot of women's voices are silenced and not a lot of people, especially women, are taken seriously. Mm-hmm. And I think there was a women's march recently, a few years ago, but that was it. And it wasn't even um, like women's marches aren't frequent things you see in the US. I, I mean, in Korea, what the heck? In Korea, I feel like you see them pretty frequently in the US. Um, I feel like it's one every year in Nashville, right? But, right? Yeah. Is that it? Yeah. Yeah, but you'll barely see one annually in Korea. And um, there's just not, it's not talked about enough. And feminists in Korea are actually seen as crazy. I remember mm-hmm. um, I was wearing this shirt and it said feminist on it. I don't, kind of cringe, but I mean, I am a feminist. So, I mean, hey, and I was in middle school. I thought it was a statement piece, but <laughs> yeah, and I remember wearing it, my aunt saw it and she was like, feminist, what do you mean you're a feminist? I'm hitting my head thinking, what? why would you not want to be a feminist? Like, what are you yeah. talking about? Yeah. You know, like, what? Like, um, in Korea, I heard that feminists are very extreme or something that they don't think men deserve rights, period. But I mean, do men deserve rights? Like, I mean, let's be real here. I'm kidding. Like, I... No, I know you're kidding. Yeah, everybody who's listening, she's kidding. We all know she's kidding. (laughs) Yeah, I'm kidding. Don't come after me. Don't cancel me. Um, I'm an actual feminist. Equality for both genders. genders. But... um, I heard they're very extremist in Korea, so a lot of people look down on those women, but you can't blame them because misogyny is very uh, prevalent and really bad in Korea to the point that it makes those women believe that men just don't, don't deserve rights. And um, it's really just sad, but mm. yeah, so I just wanted to talk about that. But moving on to the other question, <laughs> which was um, blending in, what, what was well, it? Well, yeah, uh, it's kind of like you maybe, well, first of all, like being a young woman um, and a young Korean woman, how, like have you felt any of those pressures maybe carried over even though you've kind of grown up in America? And also like how have you kind of balanced, you know, being Korean American and still having both parts of your identity? Um, but say for the longest time I struggled with my Korean heritage like I found it kind of embarrassing I think the start of it was really going to a predominantly white school and wanting to fit in and not liking being different and standing out I was um there weren't that many POC kids I think it was just me and like what two to three other kids in a classroom that were POCs 
And I remember just not having that many Asian friends at my elementary school. But as I got older and was exposed to um, people of all different backgrounds, and thankfully my middle school is really diverse, which I love. I was able to meet my amazing friends and I have a diverse friend group. And I even grew up in a um, going to a Korean church. So I had a lot of um, church Korean girlfriends growing up. Um, I still talk to them today and I love them so much, but I guess my Korean friends helped me stay intact with my heritage and I guess befriending other people from different cultures that were experiencing similar identity issues with me. Um, similar identity issues that I experienced um, mm -hmm. helped uh, with becoming more aware of my embarrassment and learning to embrace my culture. For, um, let's be real, okay, popping now but it wasn't popping 10 years ago um, I remember when I was little and like in middle school people will find it weird people will be like why are you listening to that like people find anime weird um and you were it was just like there's a stigma around it but so I was kind of embarrassed about it because I didn't want to I wanted to fit in and I didn't want to be regarded as like the weird Asian girl um but I mean I was I'm embracing it like man screw it um but yeah and um, I'm proud that I learned to erase my culture. I'm super proud of BTS, what we've done for Korea, and I'm super proud of the actress that received an Oscar and then the director, the Asian director that received an Oscar recently. Um, so proud of them, Asian representation. I feel like you don't see that often yeah. in Hollywood. But yeah, and then what was I gonna say? In terms of fitting into certain stereotypes, I guess I was expected to be um, smart. Till this day, people still assume that I'm smart. Like, I, I wouldn't say I'm stupid, but it's really that I've just given up and I don't try. <laughs> I wish if I tried was better in school. I don't know if everyone relates to this, but y'all, I honestly just give up in school at this point. Like, we're on a floating rock. Like, is, does this all really matter? <laughs> it does. But I'm no, I understand. That. I totally understand. Yeah. Like, um, I guess the earliest thing was like people would always expect me to be good at math, like the stereotype about Asians being good at math. Math is one of my least favorite subjects and the subject that I do the worst in. It just always took me a while to um, do good at math. Was it maybe the fact that my teachers weren't really good teachers? Maybe, but also I think it was the fact that it took me a while to get into the groove and the patterns of math. But yeah, and then I guess there was like that Oh, this was so annoying. I just remembered, but like um, every time there was like another Asian girl, even though we don't look alike and have completely different names, it always like confuse us or mix us up, which was mm. really annoying to happen. And I feel like a lot of people expect Asians to be um, this like, especially women, like fetishized and expected to be this like um, obedient, quiet, cute, um, just Asian like lady, but um no like we're not all like that and that's also mm -hmm. like not true and also like don't fetishize us like just is it really that hard to not fetishize yeah. people like I don't understand but fortunately I am kind of quiet when you first meet me at least so I hate that I fit that category um but I wouldn't really say I'm obedient I don't <laughs> think so and I listen to my parents but that, those are my parents so I don't want to get in trouble, but yeah, I really hope that um, people will learn to unpack those stereotypes and not expect us all to be so smart and good at math and expect 
like wants to be quiet and like dainty because like no and um I really hope that they'll stop fetishizing us as well which I wanted to discuss um with the rise of TikTok and the hold it has on our generation a lot of and with the rise of k-pop and like anime a lot of um, people have been fetishizing Asians and it's just been not even just like just Asians in general and it's just really um can we not do that and a lot of people have this like um fantasy of like all these different Asian countries and think they're perfect like oh I want to study in Korea I want to study in Japan like Japan's so kawaii Korea so I want to find like my like um drama opa or something like no I, I hate to break it to you but let's not romanticize those countries because they have issues as well and it's not as perfect as it seems as it's portrayed in media and let's just not again not fetishize people like just like people for who they are not just because they're asian can we not do that mm. it's interesting seeing how a lot of people weren't into asians when i was little but suddenly we're a trend and also a lot of problematic asian um tiktokers are given a platform just because a lot of these fetishizers will um honestly like simp for them and give them a platform and like give them views and stuff and it's it's like really like you're simping for him but like girl he's literally a pedophile he was already talking to minors um, he was like really racist of the N word. Um, he literally um, was optimistic. There were some comments made. Like the evidence is all here, and they choose to ignore it. And I find that very annoying. And um, a lot of people even try to pretend to be Korean. I don't know if you know him, but there's this uh, guy named. He goes by Ollie London, and he got surgery to look like a BTS member named Jimin. And um, he like for a moment thought he was Jimin. And he's like obsessed with BTS and it's just really annoying. And um, as a Korean, I'm not saying, um, you know, love to international fans out there, like show your support, love you guys. But there's a difference between, like we discussed earlier, I guess, um, being appreciative of someone's culture and just kind of being disrespectful. Um, let's not be disrespectful like Ollie and let's not be a Korea boo. I feel like we don't discuss Korea boos and Wea boos enough. Um, Korea boos, I don't know if you know what they are, but it's like a term given to people that try to be Korean or try to act Korean. And it's honestly just really annoying and they'll just, just please don't be a Korea boo. If you're listening to this guys, don't be a Korea boo, <laughs> please. If you need to search it up, Urban Dictionary, like do it now. It's never too late to not be a Korea boo or a weird, any type of any type of boo. Just don't just don't be one. Okay, it's really not that difficult. Let's not try to be something we're not. Just be respectful and appreciative. Okay, but yeah, um, don't cancel me, guys. I'm not coming after you, international fans. But I'm just saying, let's just mm-hmm. not be annoying. Okay, but yeah, and like that whole trend TikTok with like the Baka thing and like the one, two, three, meow, thank you. Like, let's let's just not do that. Like, yeah, but yeah, next, moving on. What, what was the <laughs> other question? I don't know if I'm answering everything. I oh, no, you did. Again. You totally answered like all of that. That was actually kind of perfect. Well, one, I do want to say it's it's so weird to like with the fetishization of things. It's it's almost like I feel like puts people on like zoo animal status almost because you're like you just dehumanize them and you're just like oh like look at it's just very like dehumanizing but kind of I mean you you summed that up pretty perfectly that was kind of what I wanted to touch on but kind of rounding it all up I wanted to um just get your opinion on what you feel like people can do to help um the AAPI community 
and to just educate themselves and just be better allies? Um, thankfully, we live in the age of technology. Google is your best friend. Search things up, Twitter. Um, there's plenty of resources out there. A lot of cards you can find, especially on Twitter. I, I freaking love Twitter. Um, uh, you can, there's a lot of petitions and like links and GoFundMes that you guys can donate to, or it's a lot of um, personal experience like this one, this podcast y'all can listen to. Um, <laughs> and like, I guess uh, just listen to the Asian community and just listen to Asian people. Don't try to um, silence us or try to like, just don't be ignorant and be respectful. Mm. Listen to what we have to say and support as many locally owned AAPI businesses as you can and just be respectful, educate yourself and think about how you would feel when it comes to your culture. Um, put yourself in other people's shoes, treat people the way you wanna be treated. Um, I would say really try to figure out the line of being respectful and being disrespectful and knowing where to not cross, where your boundaries lie, um, and always asking someone. Uh, it doesn't hurt to ask to be informed. I mean, I feel like it's not really our job to always inform you guys, mm -hmm. like you guys can inform yourselves. So like I said, Google your best friend and there's plenty of resources out there, thankfully. We live in the age technology so you guys can easily find resources and cards. But yeah, um, it doesn't hurt to educate, educate yourself today. So don't be shy, press that Google search button and educate yourself today, even a friend, spread awareness. And yeah, that's all I would yeah. say. And this, this has been so educational for me and I hope it's been educational for all of the listeners. And so I just wanna say thank you so, so much. You are like the coolest person ever. And I just, thank you. Well, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. Please like, that's you. Oh my gosh. Oh. But yeah, happy to be yes. here. <laughs> and thank you everybody for listening. I hope you learned a lot and remember to share and to educate yourselves.